You will. I know you will, but please don't do that. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 67 of Dimes on Duval, presented by Nerdy Nuts. We'll get into that in a little bit. Get excited, because we're excited. This is the All-NBA episode. Mike, we are going to be talking nothing but the National Basketball Association. So apologies for you that don't care about it, but guess what? It's the middle of summer. There's nothing else going on. Literally, it's baseball, and that's it. Yeah, my MLB update's not looking great, <laughs> by the way. My, one of the teams fired their manager, and well, that's a long way to go. We're in the all-star break, so even now, there's no baseball. Wait, really? Who, the, who fired their manager? The Blue Jays. Are they struggling that bad? They're in the playoff hunt. They just fired their manager. Because to be fair, they They're 50 should, and 43. They fired their manager. They should be better than that, according to ownership. Wow. Okay. Um, Wait, did I just provide breaking news to you? Yeah, base- dude. I mean, I don't pay attention to the Blue Jays. Fair enough. <laughs> and my team is so bad, I haven't been paying attention to any baseball. And that's your baseball for the episode. I'm sorry. We, we went too far with that. This is the all-NBA episode. We shouldn't be talking about anything else. So we have three guests on today, which is a Dimes on Duval record. We have the Lakers, the Hawks, and the Jazz. Kind of a random skew, but two of those teams have had a big off season so far, and one of those teams is just and and the third <laughs> team mark. is the one that everyone wants to have a big off season. True, true. Every year it seems the Lakers are making some sort of splash, whether it's a good splash or bad splash. But before we get into those interviews, we have to talk about our team. We have to talk about the Magic. The off season. Came and went. Well, c- first of all, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, baby. Since we haven't recorded in so long, the Warriors are NBA champions. I know Alyssa and her whole family's ecstatic about that, but we sat there. We finished the season long, long ago. Yes. First thing people were doing is who are we taking with the first overall pick? Well, <laughs> I never made that video, and I'm kind of glad I didn't because it looks really ugly, but. I'm I'm not I'm I can't be ashamed of it. I was not excited with the Paolo Bancaro pick. Yeah, you and me both. I remember draft night, me, you, and Alex were eh, not greatest fans of Paolo because we saw him at Duke and we just did not want him. I thought he was a little overrated, but my goodness was I proven wrong in summer league action. Absolutely. This past month. Absolutely. And and don't get it twisted. We weren't sitting there depressed thinking oh my god we got ourselves another mario hazonia no we were like (laughs) this guy is still gonna be a stud but he's not the two other guys that we wanted in jabari smith or chet holmgren and yeah i did just bash my boy mario but i mean you know you got to do what you got to do for the podcast so when we took paolo bancaro you know the cam newton meme where he's just shaking his head like all right let's go yeah yeah that was me like i felt it all right all right jeff well god We'll see what you got. And um, by the way, his name is Jeff Waltman. But I was like, okay, let's see. Let's ride. Let's see what he's got. Yeah. And like you said, Summer League, ooh, man. It it made me very happy we didn't take Jabari Jabari Smith. Smith. I'm still, you know, on the fence with Chet. I think he's good. But I'm still waiting for him to go up against a big, big body in the NBA. for example, DeAndre Ayton or... Giannis Antetokounmpo. I wish Nikola Pekovic was still in the league. Or Nikola Jokic. <laughs> we'd love to see if he would... Uh, oh, my God. Nikola Pekovic. <laughs> There's a name for you. You know, he's like a mobster now. 
wouldn't surprise me. He looked like one when he was in the NBA. But yeah, no, I want to see him go up against a big NBA body, not not a summer league big body, because that's a different ball game, and see what happens. So I'm excited for him. We saw in game one, Caleb Houston, and that's Houston with an A-N, not an O-N. He's going to make the team. Oh, he already signed a contract. No, so, I'm yeah. saying like he's going to be on the final roster. He's not going to be on like, you know how they have the second round picks never make right, the roster. Right. I think he's going to make the roster. Yeah, he signed a four-year, $8.21 million contract with a uh, team option fourth year and uh, some other option third year. So it's a very team-friendly deal. I think he makes it too. That game one in the summer league, he went off. I believe he had 20 points. Great, great start. Hopefully he can kind of find himself as like a 3 and D guy, which is, I think, where he'll end up. But I'm I'm impressed with the draft pick so far, man. Yeah, I like the draft picks as well. Obviously, we had that to look forward to because the Magic did not do anything in free agency, which, again, was expected because no one wants to come to Orlando right now in the middle of a complete rebuild. So hopefully this team wins some more games next year, this upcoming season, and hopefully that will attract some free agents um, next off season because that's the magic needs some free agent veterans coming in soon. Exactly. But, exactly. So you, the re signings that we had, since we didn't have any new signings, we did re-sign Gary Harris to a two year, $26 million contract extension. Mo Bamba, Mike's favorite two year, $20.6 million contract and bowl bowl two year, $4.4 million contract. I think those are all fair deals. I mean, to be like I said, for whatever Orlando can get, I'm fine with dishing out what on average, ten, uh, twelve, and twenty three million dollars for three players. Fine on average, twenty three million dollars per year. Let me clarify that because they're all two year gotcha. deals. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Those those players are barely gonna play if at all. Bamba's the only one to get more playing time. So the starting lineup next year for Orlando will be very interesting with the multiple guards that we have and also now multiple front court options. So right. we'll see. I would like to see Bull Bull crack the rotation. I'd love for him to step up and be better than Bamba, and that way we can kick Bamba to the curb. But, I mean, if Bamba shows out, he shows out. I'm not going to be mad if a guy plays well. Who do you think would uh, bench press more, Bull Bull or Chet Holmgren? <sighs> I'm going Bull Bull. Just, just because he looks like the bar is probably scared of him. He's a scary looking dude. He is. He literally looks like he can murder you with just eye contact. I think I have an NBA top shot of his. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, we do lose Robin Lopez. You know, whatever. Like him who? for his personality. Don't, don't you dare who Robin Lopez. No, I'm kidding. He's he's a great guy. You, you know, good for morale. But I don't know. We still have one question mark with T. Ross if he returns or not. He didn't seem like he seemed bummed when uh, he was streaming, and he was told in the chat that Terrence Ross has been traded. He was like, "Wait, what?" He was very shocked. So, oh yeah, yeah. Somebody trolled him yeah, and uh, trolled him, said so. that he had been traded. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was. Uh, could you imagine finding out that way though? To be fair, that's how the NBA is. You find out through social media nowadays. Eh, not and, not as much. I mean, if you have a good agent, you should never find out through social media. Yeah, but speaking of Robin Lopez, he's been on nine teams in his career. This is his ninth team he just signed with. I believe that. I mean, he's a career journeyman. He's he's Smith. You know, it is what it is. I don't know. He won Pac-10 All Defensive Team. Hmm, interesting. 
Let's see. Uh, Stanford. He went to Stanford. He's a McDonald's All-American. Yeah, he went to Stanford. I did not know that. He played... Nah, I'm not even going to play the games who he yeah. played for because we don't have time for that. But We'll talk about it after <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, so that's really it that happened with the Magic. They had a couple guys that played decent that might get some two-way contracts or just a summer uh, G League contract, but that's it. The Magic are going to run it back. Like you said, we've got a pretty clogged backcourt. Markel Fultz is healthy. Jonathan Isaac is healthy. So we'll see. People are going to be fighting for minutes, and hopefully the best ones come out. And that way we can weed out the others, maybe bring some some vets next year. So, yeah, that's the Orlando Magic. What what was the, oh I sent you that the betting? Um, how many wins they're Tw- supposed to win? It was twenty seven and a half. Twenty seven and a half. I'm taking the over. I am taking the under. I just feel like we're gonna get hurt again. Man, I can't argue that at all. <laughs> it's it's so true. There's gonna be enough injuries, hopefully to. Anyone but Paolo and Franz Wagner. Everyone else, fine, get hurt. But Point Paolo. 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 If we need to. The Italian Stallion. I am I'm excited for this year. It. I, I'm excited for every year. They will I, can't be a, lie. I think they'll be a fun team to watch when healthy. When any chance. Not, it's going to be a disaster to Any watch. chance. Obviously, health is a huge factor. Any chance they get into a play-in game situation? I mean, the East is pretty weak. The bottom half of the East is pretty weak, so I'd say yes. Again, yeah. I'm saying under just because of injuries, but if there's no injuries, I think they can contend for a play-in, yes. I agree. Okay. Well, we're not going to keep you baited any longer. I mean, we've got quite a few interviews to get into. Mike, why don't you go ahead and introduce the first interview that we have? Yeah, it's one of my good friends. His name is Fareed. He is uh, a diehard Lakers fan, although this past year, as he mentions in the podcast, uh, definitely or mentions in the interview that he definitely has a has some now health issues because of them. Now he does. Oh, I think boy. he's joking, like the correlation, but it's <laughs> kind of funny how it worked out. But he's a diehard uh, Laker fan, and the story of why he likes the Lakers is a good one. I do encourage you guys to keep listening and find out why. Absolutely. And that was done by Mike himself. Our next interview after that is going to be my good friend, Jonathan Simmons, who is a Atlanta Hawks fan who lives in Georgia, so makes sense. Mike, you and I did that one together. That was a great interview. Learned a lot about the Hawks and their new acquisition of DeJounte Murray. Yeah, and how much I still hate Trey Young. That's not in the interview, but I mean, that's just facts. I just, I don't like him, man. And then we conclude the uh, podcast interviews of the NBA teams with uh, your friend Alma, who is a Utah Jazz fan. Yes, Alma Bean is a diehard Utah Jazz fan who is in Utah, actually. Probably watched. I won't say all, but probably almost every home game last season, like in the arena. Oh, he went to every game? Just about. Nice. How sweet is that, right? I would love to, I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. But Alma is a very uh, well-versed in the jazz organization. His interview is the longest, so we saved that one for last. But in between that, we're going to have a little surprise for you. A little bit of a plug for our new sponsor. Oh, we made it, man. Yep. <laughs> we freaking made it. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get go ahead and get started with the first interview. Continuing with the NBA fan experience, reaching out to some fans of certain teams, I want to bring on a Lakers fan and he's one of my good friends, Farid Haddad. What's up, Farid? What's up, bro? All good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the reach out. No problem. 
I just have a quick question. Go for First it. First off, why did you become a Lakers fan? Like, what was the reason for you to become a Lakers fan of all the teams? So it wasn't – I wasn't a Lakers fan. I was a Kobe fan. What happened okay. was when I was about, I want to say, 12 or 13, this new kid moved to my, my school, my middle school at the time in Dubai, and I didn't know anything about basketball. He's like, hey, do you all play basketball? And I was like, nah. He's like, do you keep up with any sports? I was like, no. He's like, you should look up the NBA. And I typed NBA on YouTube that same day. And the first clip I got was a Kobe uh, tribute. It was eight minute and 13 seconds long. And it was to Bow Wow as fresh as him is. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. And I played that. And I was like, dude, this guy's pretty good. You thought, this is like 07, I would say. And oh, I was so like, this is good. after their championship, before their championship run in the late 2000s. Okay. Yes. And so I, you know how you get the related videos on the on yeah. YouTube? So it's Kobe video and it's Kobe video. And I'm like, man, this guy's pretty good. Like, this guy's pretty clean. And I watch and I watch and I watch. And I was I saw it just like Kobe fandom. Then like, okay, he plays for the Lakers. Let me keep up with them, see what they're doing. And then it just evolved from there on out. And then now it's like this year has turned me less into a Laker fan, more to just generic NBA fan because this was, last year was just a mess. But that that was the gist of That's the essence of me. It was a Kobe fan that then evolved into he bled purple and gold. So I'm a blue with a purple and gold. I get that. I respect that. And um, you mentioned it. Lakers this past year were pretty pathetic. They were not a good team to watch. It was actually kind of embarrassing, at least for Lakers fans. For me, as an outsider of the Lakers, I enjoyed it because I literally knew that trade for Westbrook was a joke. And he's on possibly on the way out in L.A. Are you surprised they didn't trade Westbrook in the offseason or TBD if he gets traded before the season? What do you think? I think I think he will get traded, but I'm not surprised he's not traded because the contract is a bad contract. If if Russell Westbrook was a $20, $25 million player, that's fine. You see almost bench players getting paid that kind of money. The issue is do you want to give, you know, that percent of your cap to someone who is very flawed? And I don't think this is – Westbrook being flawed is nothing new. It's being flawed in a high-stakes environment like the Lakers that really brings out all the flaws in you. It just, you know, you're under a microscope when you play for the Lakers, regardless of, you know, who the player is. You see players that get hyped that wouldn't have gotten hyped anywhere else. Like, look at THT, you know, like THT on, on the, on, sorry to say it's on the Magic or on any other team. He's not getting, he's not getting that much love. But am I surprised? No. The only value he has now is as an expiring contract. So I think it makes sense that the Nets are waiting on KD and that the whole league is waiting on a KD move before Westbrook or anyone else gets traded for that matter. So would I expect him to start? The Lakers are putting out all the right stuff to welcome him back if he were to stay. It's been good PR, especially from Darvin Ham. But I wouldn't expect him to stay. I think Kyrie is going to force that trade and I don't think Westbrook stays. The trade was bad to begin with. It was a bad idea, but I do feel like it was it was a superstar type move. It was LeBron AD thinking they could make it work, which I'm not going to go hard on LeBron because he really is like a very smart basketball player. And you'd think if there's anyone that could make it work, it was going to be him. But I did like the deal we had for Buddy Heald more. And then we let go of what felt like a dumb, underrated let go was Alex Caruso to the Bulls. Mm-hmm. When Caruso later came on and said, I would take less to stay with y'all, and we still didn't give it to him. That's not just a bad look because we need him. It's a bad look to the rest of the NBA players. Like when when they see someone who's a hometown hero and a fan favorite get done like that, 
it's not motivating, it doesn't put out a good image for, you know, the organization. I went on a tangent. I know you asked about Westbrook. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> no, you're good. No, you bring up the uh, Buddy Heald deal. I actually, when they were rumored last year to get Heald, I was like, oh, that's a really good deal for the Lakers. I was like, oh, here we go. Lakers are the ro- possibly make some noise. And they traded for Westbrook. And I was like, really? A- you already got AD who can't stay healthy. You got LeBron who is LeBron. We all know LeBron. But you got Westbrook who can't shoot threes. And that just didn't fit, in my opinion. And it showed once again in the uh, regular season that those three did not work together. They only played, what, like 20 games together, if that. Like, it was nothing, really. It wasn't. So there's a few debate topics on there. Because the trio in and of itself, it's not the worst fit ever. I think what hurt us even more than the trio being a non-perfect fit is the people we put around them. That was just as bad. Um, the thing is, you have Westbrook and you have Braun. You have two very ball-dominant players. And LeBron is a streaky shoot. Like, he'll average 36% from three for a season, which is respectable. It's good. But LeBron's not the type to go, you know, four for 11 on a nightly basis. He's more, he gets that 36% by going six for eight one game, but then going, you know, one for six the next game type of shooting. So I think we were done dirty by the build of the team and then the whole ad is injury prone is he injury prone sure but i it's when you look at ad and his injuries they're little injuries but they're not injuries where like the guy's just running and he's popped his achilles you know like those yeah. two injuries yeah. he had this season were actually like soft tissue injuries. Yeah. like no in fact they weren't soft tissue injuries one of them was when he had on gobert's leg which that would have happened to anyone the second one was LeBron pushing off of a screener, and the screener just fell, like, uh, pushing off his defender, and that defender fell onto AD, who hyperextended his knee. And then that was gone. So it's not freak injuries. And I feel like you saw AD battle through some injuries when the year the, the, year the Lakers won the chip. So The Mickey Mouse want... title? What's up? The Mickey Mouse title? Mickey Mouse title, Mickey Mouse title. Yeah, you should. If anyone, you should be happy about that because we brought Orlando some okay, relevance. All right, all right, all right, right. That's number one. Number two, the the Mickey Mouse title. So there's an argument to be made that if the season weren't stopped in the middle, that LeBron and AD might have health concerns later on. They might not make that title run. Yeah. The other aspect to it is, I think when you play for a small market that doesn't have big hopes like the New Orleans Pelicans for that long, you don't try to fight through an injury. Whereas we saw AD have falls, the same falls that kept him out in New Orleans. He came back from much quicker in LA because there was an actual reason to keep going. So I think there's a overblown idea that AD is just always injured because I don't like to look at a player and go, he's injury prone, unless it's like constant soft tissue injuries. AD was a type where maybe he just needs to study his placement on the court during the game because he just seems to be putting himself in situations where contact gets to him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Versus, oh, he just ran and tripped over himself, and there goes an ACL. It's not that type of injury. That type of injury would worry me more. The Greg Oden-type injuries are the ones that worry me. You know what I'm saying? Zion's injury, where it's more conditioning and body weight versus he's getting hit. Like, he's tripping and things. They're normal injuries to me. But they're unfortunate regardless. Fair enough. So, you mentioned Darvin Ham earlier, and the Lakers, this free agency... And draft, really, they didn't have anyone in the draft. Not that I recall. Maybe one player. I can't remember if they drafted anyone. They had Max Christie. Yeah, Max Christie. 
they they have a few free agent signings, but not much, obviously, due to the fact of three high salaried players in LeBron, Westbrook, and, and mm-hmm. Davis. And you mentioned that the Lakers are going to get Kyrie, or you believe that the Lakers are going to get Kyrie Irving. I do. Where do you see – who do you – do you see – okay, I'm assuming you think that Westbrook's gone. Yes. Do you believe Anthony Davis is gone as well? No. I don't think AD is gone right now because I think his best chance at not only getting a title but in building his legacy is to stay alongside LeBron and the high market, you know, high attraction place like the Lakers. If, if AD were to go anywhere, I think he's going to go later in his career to Chicago um, because that's where he's from. Um, and he always talks about how much he loves it. He even still proclaims Jordan to be the GOAT, which is an argument to be made for Jordan another, LeBron. Another day. A different day. Kobe's mine, so I, I don't care for both of them. I don't think I don't think AD is gone unless the only thing I could see happening, and I'd even be skeptical of it, is like a Russ and AD for Kyrie and KD type of package, you know. But I just don't I, I don't see it happening. I don't know what AD's value is kind of low right now. I, I, if the Lakers want to trade them, I think it's their best interest to wait at least this year and see if he could bounce back. You know, do you guys have any? Few, do you have any first round picks next next few years or not really? So if we get Kyrie, they're probably. And I read the report today that the deal is basically in place. The only thing that the Nets are trying to bargain from the Lakers are that twenty twenty nine picks. We have twenty twenty seven, twenty twenty nine to give uh, to give away those first rounders. And the, anyone who's going to take on Westbrook is going to want at least one of those picks. Of course, yeah. Um, and the Nets are trying to get that second pick as well, and the Lakers are playing hardball, which I actually like that the Lakers are doing that. Don't give out that second pick because the only team that's interested in Kyrie is are the Lakers, so they're just going to be outbidding themselves. It makes no sense to do that. You know, I, I, I think I think the – and this goes out to – I'll give a quick shout-out to my boys, Demi and Samir, who give me this like, – we talk about this quite a bit. I think the per, the point is to use one draft pick on Kyrie, and then the Lakers won't be done making moves. They'll use that other draft pick to possibly acquire someone else, trade maybe a THT, Kendrick Nunn, and that pick package to get a Buddy Heald from the Pacers. So I think – I don't think – even if Kyrie does happen, I don't think we're going to see – or this might be the final version of the roster, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers still tried to be active, even if nothing happens post the Kyrie trade. So – I think I think they're still going to be pretty active. Yeah, because I'm looking right now next year or this upcoming year, Westbrook is getting paid more than LeBron, which is just not right. So hopefully the Lakers can figure it out. But what do you think? Quick thoughts, real quick on Darvin Ham. What do you think of him? I like him. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna pretend that I knew all that he did prior to this. Uh, prior to the noise he made, which is understandable. This. Right, but you know I. I don't know if you watch some of his press conferences or his one intro presser. He strikes me as a a combination of Ty Lue, and I'm trying to think of, of a really good motivational coach, maybe like a, a Doc Rivers, who, yes, he has his flameouts, but if, if there's one thing you hear players talk about Doc Rivers is that they'd run through a brick wall for him, you know? Yeah. Darvin Ham strikes me as that type of command. You know, Frank Vogel felt more of like a passive coach, like, hey, I'll just implement my thing. If the Lakers want to go for it, they'll go for it. If they don't, they don't. Darvin Ham feels like the type to put his foot down, you know, like what they call a man's man. Like, you know, I'm here. Um, y'all want me to be the coach? That's fine. I'm be the coach. 
but I'm going to have Kurt Rambis looking over my shoulder. I don't want Palinka showing up to my practice for no reason. I need no one to micromanage me. If y'all want me to be the coach, let me coach. You yeah. know, kind of a not, no nonsense, no extracurricular, unnecessary distraction type of mindset, which is exactly what this the group needs. You know what I'm saying? We do need that presence inside the locker room. We used to have it with a guy like Jared Dudley. We don't have a Jared Dudley anymore or yeah. anyone, you know, close to that. So I think his his command and his – he seems like a leader. He seems like one of those natural-born leaders. Um, I don't know much about his strategy right now. He won a championship as an assistant coach for the Bucks, so I assume there's some pedigree. Like, you have to at least give him credit for that and see. Uh, you get the benefit of the doubt of, okay, do you, can you coach? Can you not? We're going to assume you can because this happened. You know, the Bucks did win a championship, and they were a great defensive team, which is what you're telling us Russ Westbrook is going to be a defensive point guard. I'll believe it when I see it, but we'll see what's up. Perfect. And one last thought. Just give me a quick yes or no. Do the Lakers make the playoffs next year? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was quick. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because a duo of LeBron and AD should be a championship contender. Agree. I'll agree with that. Right? It was a poorly coached team with poor strategies and a poor roster. We were out there on walkers, my guy. We were 37 years old. Y'all were the, as, as the great Charles Barkley said, y'all was AARP. Like, it was yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, all the fun stuff. Kick us while we're down. It's fine. We, we, we've been dominant for too long anyways. Uh, magic. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I think if AD was healthy and LeBron was healthier, I I think we would have at the very least been a playing team, you know. Yeah, I think um, LeBron needs. I think this one year helps LeBron get back to a hundred percent. They needed that offseason because he just came back from the bubble in twenty twenty, which led to late start in twenty twenty one, late twenty twenty, and then later start for twenty the last season with the Bucks winning, mm-hmm. it. and then just it was just a huge combination of errors and issues for the Lakers. But oh yeah, with all that I mean, mileage down there, yeah, and I'm uh. I like when the, the NBA is better when the Lakers are good, but it's also great content when they're not good. So it's really, it's fun it's to watch either way. It's a win-win situation. Either they suck and we could t- make fun of them or they're great and the NBA is in a good place right now. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your night uh, to do a quick uh, uh, 15 minutes or so with about the Lakers. And uh, you're one of the realest Lakers fans. Like you're real, whether you're good or bad, you, you admit, unlike some Laker fans I know. I'm on blood pressure medication this year. I don't think it's a coincidence that as soon as we got Russell Westbrook, my cardiologist <laughs> thought I needed it. I, 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 there's a direct correlation. I'm 100% sure of it. We'll just I see love that. Oh, I don't love that for you, but I love the, the idea that you come up with a correlation on it. That's funny. It's not and an we- idea. It's facts. It's facts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And with that, thank you for it. appreciate it. No, my guy. I appreciate you for having me, bro. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. All right, I've got Mike Yashi here alongside our buddy Jonathan Simmons, our Atlanta Hawks correspondent. Jonathan, JJ, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing wonderful, man. First and foremost, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. It's my first time. It's been, you know, it's a real honor to be able to give my insight on what we got going on up in the, in the A. Absolutely. Mike, uh, you and I kind of don't really like the Hawks that much, being Magic no, fans, no. but... Uh, we decided to have JJ on today because, you know, he's a good friend and he knows the sport well. So 
We appreciate you coming on, JJ, but let's just go ahead and get right into it. So first, we're asking everyone this that's coming on. We all know that you, well, not all of our fans know, but you live in Georgia. And so by default, that usually makes you a Hawks fan. But what really defined your Hawks fandom, like when you initially became a Hawks fan? You know, I think there's that phase that we all go through as kids where we just kind of follow what the popular team is. But when you get to a certain point in age, you, you follow along with the team that you think kind of identifies with what you like and, you know, you're interested in. So that 11 and 12 season, I believe, that the Hawks had where we went, like, I mean, we had like 60-plus wins in a season. That was ridiculous. You know, Kyle Korver, Paul Millsap. Uh, you had Jeff Teague, uh, Al Horford, that oh, yeah. crew. You know, Mike Boldenholzer had us running through the East seemingly during the regular season, a la the, you know, curse of Atlanta sports. We uh, met our fate to LeBron James very quickly. However, you know, it was and us, bad. and us one time. I, mean, I remember sweeping the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, all things considered, it's just a, you know, it's just dare I say a magical kind of feeling to have such a successful regular season and it, it enraptures your your fan base and it makes it fun and it makes going to the games fun um and I got caught up in the wave and you know once you kind of lock in with a the team there's this loyalty that just kind of starts to breed itself within your uh, within you and you stick with them you know during the good times and the bad times and you know that really kind of find the period that made me a true fan that season in itself I can't really say one particular moment it was just it was so fun, man, to root those guys on. And, you know, we're getting to this phase where I think that we're, we're seeing that again. We're having a lot of fun. And, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, making adjustments as needed. But, yeah, you know, that, that really defined when I became a fan. Right on, man. Right on. JJ, I got a question for you. So we all know, usually NBA fans know two years ago, the Hawks luckily made the Eastern Conference Finals with Ben Simmons just choking. Then last year, what happened? Like, there were – Definitely a contending team. They finished second in division, lost in the first round in the playoffs this past season. Was it due to exhaustion? Was it due to injuries? Like, what was going on with the with the Hawks that caused them to go from Eastern Conference finalist to first-round exit? At any level of basketball, I think that people can tell you that, you know, while skill and strategy are so imperative to success, luck is a huge part of that as well. And, you know, I won't be the type of person to deny the fact that we just got hot at the right time last year. And we took advantage of some matchups that we had. Joel Embiid having a, a torn or a sprained MCL, whatever the case was, Ben Simmons being in his head. It just kind of worked out in a manner that really kind of made it, you know, I guess, fortuitous for us to be successful in those situations. Uh, with that being said, Nate McMillan coming in halfway through the season, reinvigorating the team we're riding high this now or this past season you know the expectations are, are really high and when you have a young team like we had sometimes you can't meet those expectations just to kind of spout off a number that really stood out and kind of defined the moves that we've made this past season or this off season we had a bottom five defensive rating one uh, 113.1 and it showed itself in games you know we go to the fourth quarter we're tied up usually or we're close. And before you know it, it's a 15, 20 point lead in some games that are pretty winnable or some last second spurts that kind of get us by us in the butt. And we don't get the wins that we need to get. So just to kind of surmise and make it a simplistic answer for you, the difference between this season and last 
was our defensive and, you know, our defensive vigor um, and how we approached the defensive aspect of the game. Okay. So you kind of touched on some positives. Were there any other positives that you could really point out from last season? Maybe the play of a certain group or a player or the coaching or anything like that? Um, absolutely, man. You know, I'm not going to just kind of be negative with the guys. And, and Nikwa, whoa, oh, Lord. His name is – I just call him Double O, to be completely honest, just not be offensive to him. Onyeka um, <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, just really kind of burst into the scene. He did not play that much his rookie season. He had his moments here and there. But his past sophomore season for him, it was – I mean, it was excellent to the point where me being one of those fans said we can move Clint Capella and let him take that starting role because his versatility defensively, his ability to get on the boards – albeit not necessarily as physically, I guess, girthy as Capella is, he's more athletic. I mean, he has a lot more, in my opinion, game. So his development was a really good surprise. It was something that we really enjoyed. DeAndre Hunter, just fighting that injury bug, man, it it really hurt us last year or this past year before that to have him hurt on and off during the postseason. But, I mean, he's developing. There's still some aspects of his games that need to get better. But perennially, he's becoming that guy that we can kind of count on to get those points when we need them. Not necessarily where he's just a number two guy, but he, he, he developed. And so those two players really stopped to me. I feel like they kind of started to carve out their roles and become more of, you know, those dogs that we need on a successful basketball team. Well, it's interesting. You, you mentioned before about the age of this roster, a lot of young players. I mean, with Okongwu, He's only 21. He was the sixth overall pick in 2020 by Atlanta. And DeAndre Hunter, the other one you named, he's only 24. And he was the fourth overall pick by the Lakers. So you got some high draft picks that are hopefully going to stay healthy and perform for you guys this year. You did mention Clint Capella could be shipped off. Is he probably the number one that's still on this roster? We're going to get to the trade in just a moment. But is he the number one guy on this roster that if the Hawks were to make another move, you'd be okay with shipping him out? Yeah, man, I'm at peace with the fact that Clint could potentially move on. The only thing that would kind of hold that back, him and Trey Young have such a strong relationship. If you look at the numbers, I believe that they rank like one in that kind of, you know, pick and roll games coming off the screen. Clint gets those easy buckets, according to all the beat writers and the – I guess half of our fan base, most folks want to put John Collins on a boat and send him across the world. (laughs) Um, Versatility as a player, I don't think it's been tapped into. But if anyone were to be moved, just to be honest, logically speaking, it would be John Collins. My head and what I want believes it should be Clint Capella. But if the Hawks are making any moves anytime soon, I'd be on the lookout for John Collins to potentially be uh, that next guy traded. However, you know, that's all according to the beat guys. You know, Travis Slank, Landry Fields, they haven't really shown their hand. They haven't really said too much about John Collins outside of that. He's a good player. And that could be either them trying to make him nice, juicy, and tasty for other GMs around the league, or it might be them actually giving this guy his, you know, due credit. I'm glad you brought up John Collins because I think, it was, it, like, the audio broke up. You're okay with that, or you're not okay with them trading John Collins if it came down to you'd rather trade Capella, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Because that's how I was in. That was a name I was obviously the last few weeks and leading into the draft that he could be a name that could be shipped off for picks or other players or whatnot. So it was a little surprising that John Collins wasn't traded. And I mean, it's still early. We still have three more months until the regular season. He could get traded. He could be a trade deadline deal. But now that we're talking about trades, 
We got to bring it up. Gotta what are your thoughts? <laughs> what are your thoughts of the Hawks acquiring Dejounte Murray from the Spurs for those picks? And I don't even know what else they got for him. Nello Gallinari and uh, a bunch of picks. So we sent off our 2025, 2027, and Charlotte's uh, 2023. And, you know, the word that comes to mind when I think about that trade is complacency. And the reason why I say that is because when you see a product that has shown the height of what that product can give you, you can either A, stay complacent with said product and try to figure it out, or B, you can roll the dice, make a move, and try to make something happen. And, you know, it's not a landslide kind of trade, not blockbuster. It's not Kevin. It's not, you know, Ben Simmons. However, you're looking at a guy who ranks number six individually in the NBA, averaging 1.5 steals and one block a game, six foot 10 wingspan. And once again, you're talking about a team that had a bottom five uh, defensive rating as a whole in 21 and 22. And this is not mentioning the further moves that we've made trade-wise to kind of build up around him. So with that being said, you know, we send off Kevin Herter, um, and that's a little sign up to add because we got a 2024 pick first round with Kevin Herter going to the Sacramento Kings. Um, and so you, you lessen the blow, you, you know, you make it a little more manageable. And with DeJounte joining the team, you just get so much more versatility. I mean, you have a, a guy who was reaching the peak of his performance in San Antonio and San Antonio doing him well, understood that they were in a place as a franchise that they would not be able to support him in his potential, I guess, like championship dreams the way that he needed to. And we in the competitive East, you know, this is a dog eat dog world. You need defense. You have Giannis, you have freaking Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Yeah. Those guys, you got, you know, Jimmy Butler, you need dogs in the East if you want to compete. And that's just a matter of the fact. Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, I know. Definitely. (laughs) Shate Murray is a dog, man. Um, And so, you know, yes, the kind of offensive philosophies and, you know, the strategists are kind of trying to figure out, can Trey Young work with DeJounte? But I think one of the biggest things that you have to have is a willing kind of attitude towards these types of trades because you've seen it where you have blockbuster trades. Uh, You have Kyrie's and guys that go to different teams, and those guys may not be necessarily ready to give up the ball, get it out of their hands. I think Trey Young's that unselfish player that's willing to spread the court, make it happen. And it, it takes, you know, a lot of stress off of him. You know, he's not getting boxed in one. He's not diamond in one by the heat and getting freaking abused by these guys. You know, um, it's allowing him to be able to have a little bit more free range and to, you know, get some threes and start to be able to distribute in different ways. Absolutely. Mike, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I do have one question for – well, when you mentioned Kevin Herter, the only thing I can think of is all those memes that came up about him after um, – was it again in the bubble? I can't remember if it was in the bubble or against the Sixers. I can't remember when those memes came up. It, that's one that I'll never forget, Kevin Herter. And I'm people know what meme I'm talking about. I'm not going to discuss that, but yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Dang. Oh, you don't know? No. JJ knows. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, his name, his nickname that we had from in Atlanta was Kayvon because whenever he like tapped into it and he was, he had that, you know, had that, that Red name. Velvet. Oh, he's Red Velvet. He, I mean, he has several names. Come on, oh, it's okay. Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, touche. Touche. I'll send you the meme, Keith. All right. This. All right. Cool. And for all of you listening at home, go ahead and look it up yourselves because they're not going to tell me. <laughs> well, JJ, I do want to just finish out here. So, 
as we mentioned before, the Hawks finished second in the division, 43 and 39 record last year. You add some good new pieces. You lose a couple pieces. Danilo does go to a rival in the Celtics. I say rival because they're going to be one of the top in the conference again. But you, you've added a few things. Free agency might not be over for Atlanta, but if you had to guess right now, where do you think the Hawks are finishing next year? What, what is what is their aspirations for next year? Mm. All right. So the fan in me, of course, wants to say, we're going to the Eastern Conference Finals, baby. You know, it, it's just, it's rolling the dice, man. It, it's, it's all about matchups. It's all about who we run into. Well, I got to make it easier to, bro- to make it more vague. Top four seed, bottom four seed, or in the play-in situation again like last year? Or out of the playoffs completely. You never know, you know. Mm, let me see. Let me write something down. Boston, Milwaukee, Miami. Top four seed. Top, Top four, seed. four. Okay, so you think they're better than the Sixers? Yes, I think that that, that James Harden and Joel Embiid are dysfunctional. Is Maxi? I'm not going to disagree with more? that. Yeah. Huh? Is Maxi? Are they? Didn't they send off Maxi? Or is he still, no, he's on, still on the Sixers? Still as, on there. Okay. As of right now, yeah, he's still on the Sixers. I, I, I guess I saw some stuff on Twitter that I thought that might. Uh... Oh, if he gets traded, they got bigger. I think Maxi's really good player, but that's I, I think he's one of their best players personally. But he's really good. I'd be shocked if they traded him. He's so young; like, there's no point in trading him right now. Yeah, Most consistent. it would be silly. And I mean, the other teams that were up there last year: Toronto, Chicago. You don't think Chicago resigning Levine? Toronto and Chicago actually staying healthy because they got hit with the injury bug late last season. True, true. Now, we'll say that. John Collins had an injury bug. I mean, he's walking on half a foot and two fingers. DeAndre Hunter battling his knee all season long. I mean, we had freaking Lou Williams coming off the bench. Hey, trying don't, to disrespect, <laughs> don't disrespect Lou Will. I love like, – let me pepper – but let's not also get it like, I mean, he, his back's tightening up like mine on a daily basis, man. I, I don't know if I can depend on him for 20 a night. And it's unfair for me to depend on him. He, yeah. He's, you know, in a twilight, be getting his points, his buckets, and enjoying himself. Um, not the workhorse of any type of team as a, as a second, you know. As yeah, second we're, we're 28. As, it's not, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that wraps things up. <laughs> that wraps things up here. Thank you for coming on, Mr. Jonathan Simmons. Mike, of course, we're going to do this again. We'll uh, catch you later, buddy. We'll we'll check in with you later on in the season. How about that? Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, Mike, you love peanut butter, right? I do. I actually enjoy eating peanut butter sandwiches a lot. Oh, well, what if I told you that there is a gourmet peanut butter you can buy? Go on. Well, Times on Duval has partnered with Nerdy Nuts, a company that specializes in handmade small batch nut spreads. From M&M's to birthday cake, Nerdy Nuts has every flavor you can think of. Yo, how can I get those products right now? Just head on over to nerdynuts.com, click on the shop tab. New flavors are released every Sunday at 7 p.m., so be on the lookout for new flavors. So right now, if you go log on, the new releases are Benny's Peach Cobbler Peanut Butter Treat, Rocky Road Peanut Butter, and they have Dark Chocolate Raspberry Truffle Peanut Butter Cups. Ooh, I do like me some Rocky Road ice cream, so... And that's not it. They come up with a bunch of other flavors, too, at all times. Right now, during summer, it's a bunch of ice cream-related flavors, but they also have Chocolate Funfetti. I see cinnamon Roll. And why not just your basic M&M, 
or cookies and cream. How about Fluffernutter? Man, I'm sold. There's a lot of different flavors you can get, but don't forget, we have a coupon code. What is that code for our great listeners? Dimes10. We'll get you 10% off your purchase. So when you're at the checkout screen, type in Dimes10 to get 10% off your order. That sounds great to me. Hell yeah, man. Let's get some peanut butter. I'm on it right now. And now for our last interview with Alma Bean. Hey everyone, Keith here with Alma Bean out in Utah, supporting the jazz, unverified beat writer, so to speak. We're, we're going to give you a chance to plug yourself later on because you deservedly deserve to at least, but continuing our trend of interviews with bands slash friends that are across the United States. Alma, welcome. How you doing, buddy? We're doing good. I, I appreciate the unofficial beat writer plug. I, I, I take a lot of pride in that. So uh, I really appreciate that. But we're doing good. We're, we're just kind of trying to keep our uh, mental stability together with everything going on with the organization. But you know, it's, it's a new season. And I guess at this point, a new team. <laughs> absolutely and uh i, I say unofficial now because you know things are going to change down the road we'll see it we'll see the check mark on twitter soon i'm, I'm waiting for it <laughs> <laughs> well we're just gonna go ahead and dive right in so i've asked the other guys this and i gotta ask you how did you become a utah jazz fan uh so funny enough it, it goes before birth weirdly enough because um i was born in 97 uh, just put that little stamp in there. But my mother is originally from Utah, and she always joked that I was almost premature because of the 96-97 finals, which happened in June, and I was born in August. So we were like right near the cusp. Um, but at the same time, when I was younger, I grew up in Utah and then moved to Florida and then back to Utah again. But my entire family's up from the New England area. So they all wanted me to be Boston Celtics fans. But growing up in Utah, like I'm not watching those games. I'm out here playing junior jazz basketball, which is essentially our equivalent of YMCA basketball. <laughs> I'm playing junior jazz and I got to meet Ronnie Brewer as a rookie. I don't know if y'all oh, are familiar with him, wow. but... I got to meet Ronnie Brewer as a rookie because my team went undefeated. And with that, you got to have a player run one of your practices and you got free tickets to a game. And we got to always see them play the Denver Nuggets when they had Carmelo Anthony, uh, Allen Iverson and Chauncey Billups, Nene, uh, Kenny Martin always got stomped on every single time. (laughs) And I hated it because I was like, Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, AK-47, no one can beat us, especially when we have a three-point shooting center and Mehmet Okur. No one can ever beat us. There's a lot of tradition, and there's so much good history here. And it's hard not to be a fan of the underdog. Spoken like a true champ. Yeah, no, I... I feel you, man. The underdog. I mean, we're always going to be the underdog. We're never going to get nationally televised games like that. And we're just, you know, we are what we are. But, you know, that's why you got to be good. Then you'll get them. So hopefully the tide turns for us magic. But the Jazz are kind of going in a different direction. So last season, you finished 49 and 33, first in the Northwest Division. You're a five seed, right? Yep, we were the five, five seed, seed against the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic uh, woke up after what I thought was going to be a surefire Jazz win in 
honestly five or six maybe, but Dallas comes back and they win that series and the rest is history. So first round exit, not a great feeling after I think a very solid season. And obviously we know everything that's happened since then, but what went wrong last season? What happened? So even before we got to the playoffs, there's one really big stat that stands out and any NBA franchise, really any sports franchise that would have this stat, you would immediately think they were at the bottom of the NBA. We blew, I believe it was 17 double digit leads throughout the regular season, 17 And it wasn't just like, oh, you hit 10 points some point at the first quarter and you lost it. It was 17 double-digit leads going into the fourth quarter. Oh, wow. I was going to ask that too. Okay. Wow. So it's like the Jazz went ahead and gave their fans what they wanted. Super explosive offense. Defense came back with it. Rudy and Hassan, just that tandem switching back and forth. We were constantly just focused on defense when it came to the first half. And we just had Donovan as our crutch to go ahead and score. But again, he is very choppy when it comes to his offense. He's either very hot or very cold. And for some reason, when he's in either of those ruts, no one gets the ball. Like his, his assists are awful, which especially when you're trying to be the star of a franchise and you're trying to go ahead and kind of move over to that point guard position, because you start noticing like as he's grown as an NBA player, you've seen that he's shown spurts to try and do like flashy passes and get his teammates involved. Sure. But the passes aren't crisp. It's always him driving down into the paint and then doing some flashy like scoop move to go ahead and get the ball out to the corner. And half the time it's either over the player's head hits their foot or that one lucky chance where it hits the player right in the chest. And then you go ahead and get the corner three. It didn't happen often um, as far as being a successful play, but it just seemed like we were constantly trying to run through Donovan. But when you have Mike Conley that plays really well with the ball and getting his teammates, the ball, and you're asking Donovan to run point and have Mike do off ball movement. Like it didn't work well there. And then you have Royce O'Neal, 6'4", playing a power forward position. And essentially what they were doing, they were just getting guys that were 6'10", 6'11", to go ahead and guard Royce because you automatically had that matchup one down in the paint. But then you have Bogey, who was 6'9", playing the small forward position because he can shoot. But the the dysfunction that was created, I don't want to say it was created by media. That sounds bad. But the lingering thoughts of Donovan and Ruby don't get along together. It was a big story on Twitter a lot, a lot of times. Oh yeah. And the fact that you go to the stats and go into advanced searches and find out that Donovan averaged one pass per game to Rudy Gobert. And you're telling me that Donovan is being moved into your general or your main focus ball handler and Rudy Gobert, whose game revolves around being fed the ball after a pick and roll like you can't win when you have your two stars not functioning together so I think that the Jazz took Luca being injured for granted we made Jalen Brunson look like an all-star if I'm not mistaken I think he averaged 39 points per game in the first round man and that 
that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot to unpack. But again, we're we're on the East Coast over here. You know, me talking and the rest of the Dimes on Duval crew, we're not getting this in-depth analysis about the Jazz. So it's it's pretty interesting. I'm I'm glad you shared that. So obviously, there was a lot that was going on, especially in the media with uh, those two, the two stars. But there obviously was some good because you still finish, you know, top of the division and stuff like that. What went right? Was there a player that stepped up? What, you know, what happened that really jumped the Jazz or kept the Jazz in their winning ways? So weirdly enough, um, I know not a lot of people will agree with me with this, but COVID, COVID within this past season really helped the Jazz because we had one of the best records going into the new year, like the new calendar year. Yeah. Um, but then COVID hit and we were able to see all of our bench players play. Uh, there was a game where we played in Toronto and not a single starter played. Like, I think our starting lineup was Jared Butler, Hassan Whiteside, Eric Pascal. Um, shoot. And names are passing by me because I'm trying to remember like who was Trent, on the roster Trent at Forrest? that point. Elijah, Elijah uh-huh. Hughes and Trent Forrest were all. Or no, Trent Forrest was out at that time, but yeah. Elijah Hughes was a part of that starting lineup. And these guys kept up with the regular Toronto Raptors starting lineup. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, these are the guys that get garbage minutes. And now we're seeing Jared Butler getting his career high of 22 points. He had seven assists in that game. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had either four or five rebounds in that game too. So you're telling me, a second round uh, rookie that easily should have been a first round pick, but due to heart issues, he dropped right. very far. Yeah. Um, but you're telling me he's dropping dimes and looking like a star player within his first year. Elijah Hughes, he had something like 16 points in that game, and he was just going off on Toronto. Eric Pascal was playing like a small ball center and playing bully ball, essentially. Like he looked like Draymond Green in his prime. Like I was sitting here watching this game, expecting just to get blown out, zero expectations. But I'm sitting here just astonished that we have such a well-developed bench and we don't get to see it because of the rotations that we had. Um, But then we go further into the season and we pick up Daniel House Jr. on a uh, COVID conditional 10-day contract. And he played great. Or, yeah, he played great on that first one. But then we went ahead and signed him to the standard 10-day contract. Played phenomenal. And then uh, because we had the COVID conditional one, we were able to sign him to a third 10-day contract, which he then got COVID and wasn't able to play at all during those 10 days. So it was left up to the organization to go ahead and decide, are we going to go ahead and get this new fan favorite player in Daniel House, or do we let him go? Because, I mean, we had players like Denzel Valentine and Greg Monroe come through our organization, which Greg Monroe played great. Denzel Valentine, you saw him on the court. Um, so, So then that happens. And then the one thing that, got every jazz fan upset was trading away Joe Ingles, which also traded away Elijah Hughes. Yeah. But in return in that three team trade between um, us, Portland and San Antonio, we were able to go ahead and get Juancho. We were able to get Nikhil Alexander Walker and um, we were able to go ahead and get a draft pick in return, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, but Juancho came out of nowhere. We got hit with injuries, and then he came in playing the four spot and just played so electric. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he came in when he was needed. Granted, it wasn't very often, but when he was on the court, you saw the tenacity in him. He was constantly running on the court, and he wasn't taking bad shots. Even though every shot that he was taking wasn't going in, I wouldn't argue against any of the shots he was taking. They were they were good looks. Even some of them that were contested, in my mind, it was going in. Like, and I'm sure with the magic, like I'm sure when you see some of the guys take some of these like longer threes, you're like, why are you doing that? Yeah, well, but absolutely. With, but with Nah, like you just saw him shoot. The form looked so crisp, and you're just like, that's going in. And with Wancho down low, like he was getting some good offensive rebounds in his immediate reaction, pass it back out, restart. Let's get another play going. It wasn't him trying to force and like fight his way on to the roster, but he also had such a force with him that the fans just loved it. And it was nice to go ahead and have this resurgence of energy from the crowd because for a solid two months, I think we only won four games over two months. And for the Jazz to go ahead and have one of the best records in the NBA and then COVID hits and we're not able to win. Like, I mean, shoot, we had uh, Darius Garland get his first triple-double in his career because he was playing against our second unit and then some. So, like, it was really hard watching. When was the last time you guys had a a triple-double? So are we talking about playoffs or are we talking about regular season? Because nobody talks about Ricky Rubio getting his triple-double in the playoffs. No, no, I I want regular regular season. season. Regular season was Carlos Boozer in 2009. <laughs> I just, I, I, it still just blows my mind. I mean, it's it's a silly stat. It's it doesn't really mean that much. I it's mean, a personal stat. It's a yeah, personal it, stat. It's like, really just a personal. We are a team oriented but... system, but when you have all these guys, they're like, "Yep, triple double this week from this guy, triple double from this guy the next week." But then you come back to us, and it's like, "Yeah, we're we don't have a triple double in the last decade, but." We're still making the playoffs, though. Oh yeah, We're still I mean, competitive. We're you still know, a you, team that everyone, you fear. Everyone knows how bad the Magic are, but Alfred Payton, I think, had two in one week. Like who? <laughs> like who? No one knows Alfred Payton. I mean, I, yeah, okay, they know him, but like he's not known to be like a good player. But he had like two in a week. It, it's it's just, it's again a very personal stat. It's silly, but. I just thought I just always got a crack on you for that one. Hassan Whiteside almost got one uh, this year with blocks. He almost had uh, oh, double digit sick. points, double digit rebounds, and double digit blocks. He had uh, seven uh, blocks in one game, and then he had uh, 12 rebounds, and I think it was 14 points. Um, but yeah, he was super close. Him and Donovan Mitchell almost got the triple double in the same game. And so everybody was like, triple double watch. Are we going to get two in one night? And we ended up falling short on both of them. <laughs> well, let's get to the meat and potatoes real quick. These, these are going to be kind of quick, but obviously the big news is Rudy, Rudy Gobert is gone. He's traded to the Timberwolves. You get Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro uh, Bulmaro, the 22 overall pick in this draft. We picked uh, Walker Kessler. Jared Vanderbilt and like 80 other picks. So obviously you get a lot in return. Do you think, and this is just a yes or no, did you get what you bar- what you wanted for Rudy Gobert? Was that a good trade for you? In my opinion, yes, because okay. I'm more of a long-term person. Okay. So with that, obviously we know that happens. 
you get a bunch of first round picks and pick swaps. I mean, it's incredible what you get out of that. Do you think it's time to move on from Donovan Mitchell? Or do you keep him? So, knowing our organization and a move that we made last season getting Danny Ainge, it is very well known that he is not attached to players. He's attached to winning. So with that being said, from what I know, I do not see Donovan Mitchell being on the roster come the start of the season. I, from my sources, there is a lot of traction going around right now. And most likely if things keep on moving in the direction they are right now, he won't be on the roster in the next week. So just for fans, for all you listeners sake, we are recording this on July 14th. It's 9 PM. So just a heads up. So if you hear this, depending on when this episode comes out, if you hear this and you're like, Donovan Mitchell's already on another team or whatever, this is because we recorded this before. So you're hearing a lot of traction you're saying. Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of different things and my main sources that I'm hearing things from or reading things from as well um, are Tony Jones from the athletic and um, Andy Larson and Eric Walden from the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, It seems like there's been a lot of offers um, or not a lot of offers, but there have been a offer counter offers to follow. Um, But as of right now, it's seeming like the Jazz have submitted a counter offer of six first round picks, uh, Grimes, Quickly, Obi, and McBride, all for Donovan Mitchell and potentially just for uh, contract sake, Rudy Gay. Hmm. That is currently what I've heard. It started off with all those same players in eight first round picks. Um, but I believe uh, the Knicks went ahead and offered something smaller and now the jazz are coming back with a counter offer um of the six first round picks which you're saying all those people that you named plus eight first round draft picks that that was their initial offer uh now the counter offer is six first round picks and all those players just for donovan and most likely knowing how contracts are um probably throw rudy gay in there but if rudy gay is entered in there um, one of those players most likely will be interchanged for Evan Fournier. Ew. Um, <laughs> like I'm I said, sorry. for contract purposes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I don't care what the trade is. I don't think Donovan Mitchell's worth eight first-round picks. See, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, don't get me wrong. Absolutely talented player. Like, he he gets the recognition that he deserves, but I feel like he gets a tad bit too much. Um, just because again, like he's the young ball handler that we have here in Utah, he's 25 years old. He still has four years on his contract and the things that he's done, like on a historical side have been pretty comparable to some of the all-time greats in the NBA. And you can look up any of his stats that he's had, and some people will go ahead and dismiss it because of the bubble. But, like, he has some great statistics to go ahead and accommodate for the fact that he's a guy that you can't just ignore. Um, But with all the New York connections, with him being originally from New York, his dad uh, used to be a part of the coaching staff for the New York Mets. 
there's just some good connections for him to want to go back to New York. But right now it's seeming like the Utah Jazz have put the ball in Donovan's court to go ahead and decide, are you being traded or not? Because, yeah. I mean, right now he he is the face of the franchise now that Rudy's in Minnesota. There's no arguing that. There's no – I mean, if you had to pick somebody, it either had to be Mike Conley or Jordan Clarkson, but to the common NBA fan, what name are you going to know? Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley? Like, even though I, I love Mike Conley, great guy. I've, yeah. I've had a few conversations with him. Beautiful man. <laughs> um, but, uh, again, everyone's going to go ahead and retreat to Donovan Mitchell. But right now, it's like you, you don't have a choice. And it's either you move him now and you go ahead and get all those assets. Or, in my opinion, what I think he should do is stay with the Jazz and play and prove that he's worth that. Like you already see what's on the table. You already know what the jazz want for him. play it, go ahead and prove your worth. And then you have the all-star game, which if I'm not mistaken is a week before the trade deadline, have all these teams come in and then you can almost have it as a scouting event. Yeah. Some people might see it as tampering, but every NBA player in the league talks to each other. Like there's no way around it. It's just a matter of an executive or an agent is in the room. Yeah. yeah, no, you can't stop that at all. You see, you, so you saw I, LeBron doing it years ago. He sat there oh, yeah. and would talk yeah, yeah. to the guys and he'd hold up, you know, the paper and just be like, yeah, yeah, bro, come, come you know, whatever. It, it, so it's, I think it's a natural phenomenon. I, like, I honestly think that Donovan Mitchell should use the all-star game to his, like, to his, uh, shoot, words aren't coming to my brain. Like, he should use it to his advantage. Advantage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... He's, he's able to go ahead and bring in every single team in the NBA and he can talk to every single team in the NBA. And then you get to go ahead and show off the city. You can show off the organization and be like, yeah, you want to play here. You want to be here. Bring some of your guys from your team. Convince your organization to go ahead and give up some draft picks because I want to play for your team and you see everything that they're lining up to do. There are so many things that Salt Lake City is doing to build for the future, not even just for basketball. Like, as a city, there are so many things that they are investing into their city right now that it's unbelievable. There is a long list. So if you can go ahead and convince another star player that Utah might be it, Ryan Smith is the young owner, just like Mark Cuban was, a couple decades ago like mark cuban was the guy that everybody wanted to be around because he was the cool hip guy that's ryan smith right now now you got danny age and david fitzdale and justin zanuck all up in the front office and those are guys that don't back down these are guys that are going to make the deal that is best for their organization whether the fans like it or not so i i honestly think he should stay on the team but if the traction stays the way that it is right now Donovan's gone within the next week. Well, I, I like that. I mean, that that's a good counter offer. I, you know, you hear everything talking about the trades and uh, whatnot. So it was good to hear something a little bit different. So before we go, just straight up, you know, you got a first year head coach in Will Hardy, 34 years old, young gun coming in, taking over this team that sort of has an identity. We don't know. We'll see, but how do you see the season going in your eyes? Just real quick. I personally think that play-in is a successful season for the Jets this year. Play-in? Knowing I think that there's a lot of promise with this roster. It's just a matter of can we translate promise into wins? So I think that we finish the season around 500, whether that's 
a game or two above, game or two below. But I personally think that given our current roster, if nothing changes, a play-in entry is is successful season. All right. You heard it here first. Thank you, Alma, for coming on and talking some jazz with us. You can find him on Twitter at AlmaBean23. He's got all the jazz takes you might ever need. He actually just wrote an article, too, so go check that out, talking about their summer league. So if you want to learn more about the jazz, Alma's your guy. We'll have him on again maybe uh, halfway through the season to do a little checkup on you. But thanks for coming on, buddy. No problem. Anytime, my man. If, if you ever want to learn more about what's going on in the West, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, bud. No problem. Awesome. Those were some great interviews. Thank you, all three of you guys, for joining us on the show. We hope to have you back maybe later on in the season to do a quick little synopsis of how the season's going so far. And I do have to quickly note, Mike, hmm. uh, Alma did say off the air that he put a uh, a bet into our Dimes on Duval, you know, how he kind of, I wouldn't say place bets, but kind of just say this is what's going to happen. His bold take, let's just say. Okay. He His bull take is first game of the season for Utah, college football I'm talking about. The Utes, okay. They traveled to Gainesville to play the Gators. So that's September 3rd. He has them whooping the Gators, 56-24. to 24. That's a ballsy take. Only reason I say it's ballsy is because I don't know how hot it gets in Utah. They're coming to Florida to the swamp, which is a very disgusting area. Um, it is gross, but and I'm not talking about the weather; it's just a gross town. Uh, but when you come with the Florida humidity, we'll see how they handle the heat. I don't know. I mean, they they return almost everybody, so I think they have a good shot. I mean, they were. I don't what, know if they're going to win really? by 32 points, though. That's where I'm a little. Maybe I, by, I think they win though. They're favored, which is great for them, but I just don't know if they're going to win by 32. I hope so because I love to see Gator fans just cry and just revel in pity. And Urban Meyer kind of shit on the Gators one last time. Why would it be Urban Meyer? He was Utah's coach. Yeah, he was also Florida's coach. I, I mean, know. Yeah, exactly. Fuck Urban Meyer. <laughs> but he can. Yeah. But well, yeah. We'll leave it at that. So quickly, just going across the, the way, rest of everyone, the league. Everyone, we are two weeks away from preseason football, oh, and then God. we'll be getting back into a. We'll tr- hopefully get back into once a week recording. Probably come late August, I'd say, right before the season starts. Well, that's TB- TBD, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Update. Absolutely. Let's just go around the league real quick and see anything of note um, from the other teams with their free agency so far. So we're going to talk about the Suns. Man, it was super max season all over the NBA. It, it, it was. It was crazy. My goodness, because I, I've had, never seen such big contracts. You had DeAndre Ayton re-signing with well signing. I'm not going to count DeAndre Ayton in this conversation with Supermax, but you're talking about John Morant. You're talking about Devin Booker. You're also talking about uh, there was another star who re- uh, signed a max deal. Didn't wait. You said Devin Booker. Devin Booker, yes. Yeah. So okay. Devin Booker and Jaw were the two that come to mind immediately. James Harden is taking a pay cut apparently to help the 76ers. Um, but yeah, DeAndre Ayton. What the hell are the Suns doing? They're well, paying him 133 million dollars. Yeah. What on earth makes them think that he's worth that? Out of let up, the problem is when he signed that restricted free agent deal with the Pacers. The Suns were kind of forced into a corner where they could not let DeAndre Ayton. He's a talented young man. He's 23 years old, 24 years old. He is very young. They couldn't let him walk for nothing. And that is the problem with 
why the, the Suns had to do it. They ha- absolutely had to do it. But my goodness, paying him $133 million is absolutely insane to me, especially with how he quit pretty much on the Phoenix Suns in Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference semifinals this past year. It, it, it is pretty crazy. I mean... <laughs> Do they bring in any, anyone else into hell? Do, does this, is this team strong enough to make a finals run again? I they I think they have the team, to be fair. That game seven was an anomaly. They had the best regular season yeah. record in franchise history and also in the NBA. And they weren't even close to the number two seed who were the Grizzlies. But I do believe the Suns will be fine next year. Another team who I think will be a questionable move was Washington giving Bradley Beal a Supermax. That man and Damian Lillard, granted he's one of my favorite players in the NBA, Damian Lillard, that is. Mm-hmm. They are complete bag chasers. They really don't care about winning a ring, in my opinion. But, I mean, those two getting max deals is insane. Nikola Jokic also got a super max. So, to be fair, he absolutely deserves a back-to-back MVPs. Oh, yeah. He's he, arguably the best player in the league right now. 100% a top five player in the NBA. And I am very... This is a early preseason prediction i do believe the nuggets will be a top four seed next year writing that in my little black yeah go book. ahead and write that down top four seed in the in the west barring by, by the playoffs or, or no they're or gonna be the four like one of the top four seeds once okay. the playoffs come nuggets. again this is barring injury i mean this past year they're the sixth seed with Jokic, just Jokic. they get michael porter back they get um, who's the point guard? Man. Jamal Murray. They get Jamal Murray back, and I do believe the Nuggets will be a very interesting team next year. And they, if they're healthy, they're definitely dangerous. I think they're better than Utah. They're better they than Dallas. Schmidt. They're better than Minnesota, who also gave a supermax to Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns. Towns. And they just paid five first round picks for Rudy Gobert. Alma mentioned in the podcast. So Minnesota is also looking to win right now, and I just don't think they're there yet. Totally fair. Totally fair. I Okay. Riddle me this. Would you rather be a Toronto Raptors fan right now, just like with the state of the team right now, a Raptors fan or a T-Wolves fan? Raptors. Why? East is easier. Mm. That is fair. And they just won a championship two years ago. Right. Or yeah. three years ago. Well, sorry, yeah, yeah. Just disregard the path. So I mean, I'd the like, past. I mean, their futures. Like, which futures I like, are you liking better? I like Van Vliet. I like, what's his face? OG Ananobi. I like, I love Scotty Barnes. No reason has to do with Florida State, but just because he is a very good player. I like Pascal Siakam. I like Precious Achua. They're a young team. Did it's, you know that? Uh, the Timberwolves, I'm not a fan of some of their players. I don't like D'Angelo Russell. I do. I like him. I don't like him at all. I like Anthony Edwards. I do like Carl Anthony Towns. But that's it. I don't. Kyle Anderson's a great pickup. That was a very good pickup. I don't like Rudy Gobert. I've never liked Rudy Gobert. So yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. I really don't know how that's going to work. And that that's going to be the one of the biggest questions going into the season. I do have to backtrack, though, um, about Scotty Barnes. Um, did you know that he is top five least effective jump shooters in the NBA. Oh, I don't give a shit. He's one of the, he's a good all around player. That's what he was at Florida state. He didn't score. Right. He was not I, I just wanted you to know that. I, no, just I think he's that. a better team player. And for me, I want that to build around my team. Like Ananobi, Siakam, Achua, 
Scotty Barnes and Van Vliet are all 28 and young. Andrea Bargnani and okay. uh, Jose Calderon and uh, yeah. uh, wrong, wrong guys, wrong, wrong era. Wrong era, exactly. <laughs> so I like the Raptors' future. And also, if the T-Wolves don't win now, their future's screwed. They have no picks for the next few years. Right, right. So I prefer the future of the Raptors. Well, one last team that I wanted to touch on before we exit is Brooklyn. the... Oh, actually, no, it wasn't them. But we can talk we'll talk about them real quick. I, where do you think Kevin Durant goes? Just quickly, if you had to pick a team. Do you think he stays back I think in he stays in Brooklyn. I think he goes to Miami. Oh, God, don't even fucking say that. I, I don't oh, know why. No, no, no. If he goes to Miami, who that top of the East just got real interesting with Milwaukee, Boston, Miami. How do you and, share the ball with him and Jimmy Butler? And Oh, Jimmy Butler will gladly pass it up. I think Jimmy Butler's tired of being number one. I think he really. I mean, the last. Well, yeah. Come on, look at the memes. The meme is just yeah. Jimmy Butler is hashtag tired. He doesn't have a certain ESPN analyst or reporter with him in uh, bubble. I'm not gonna go there. But yeah, I think Jimmy Butler is ready to take the number two role and let KD just take over, which is what they need in Miami. Now the thing is, what will Miami give up? I think he goes to Miami by the end of this uh, off season. Okay. But what was the team that you're bringing up? Uh, my team was going to be the Chicago Bulls. Zach Levine, was was that a Supermax or was that just a big deal? Uh, I think it was a max. I'm not sure. I didn't see Zach Levine. I don't remember it, Zach two, Levine. $215 million. So. That might be a max, not a Supermax. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of money, just so to speak. So he re-signed there. There were some murmurs that he might not re-sign, but he, he came out and said himself, he's like, nah, I'm, I'm a Chicago guy. But you, you started snoring. Are, are we saying no chance for they these just, Bulls? I mean, they signed Drogic. Yeah, I think. it was a it was a max contract. Okay. I just don't see the Bulls doing anything because we saw Nikola Vucevic. He's right. a liability on defense. Right. They have no defensive guy down low except I think they signed Andre Drummond in the offseason. What they about have, Patrick Williams? He's a three max a four. He ain't in a center. Yeah. They have no one to contend with Joel Embiid. Who's going to stop him? Who's going to stop Giannis Antetokounmpo? Who's going to stop Kevin Durant when he comes into the post? Grant, maybe Patrick Williams can try to stop Kevin Durant, but Patrick Williams is also so very young. Yeah, so, I, I think the problem with Chicago is they're going to have to outscore every team. And we have not seen them do that. And Lonzo is also still, I'm pretty sure, still hurt, if I remember correctly. He might actually be. I'm, I'm really not sure. But So we'll see if he even comes back to what he was before. If, again, I could be wrong on that and... Bulls fans will probably be in my mentions about it, but and well, you know what? It, it is what it is with Bulls fans. So it's going to be an interesting season. I'm Do you ready. see one team just right now? One team that you see that makes a jump compared to last year? Let me pull up the mine is the Orlando Magic. We're going to make a playing game, bro. The team is going to stay healthy for the first time in like ten years. The Magic are actually going to wake up and actually make a run, probably late. It's going to be late. We're gonna we're gonna be rough until like maybe February, and then we actually like kick it into gear and we win some games and we sneak into like the nine seed maybe. To make a jump, okay. How we define making a jump? At least like three seeds up. Three seeds up from the from twenty twenty two season or sure. from the twenty twenty one season. Sure. Yeah. The magic that's like ten seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I already said Denver would be a top four seed. There are six, so I'm gonna go ahead and say the Clippers. Clippers, again, is the number one team if they are healthy. 
they are good kind of thing. Yeah. I'm not saying they're number, so number one team. I can't count. They're them. the team. No, no. I'm just saying like there are they are a team that if they are healthy, they are the number one team of like if they're health, healthy. If that makes sense. Agreed. If they're healthy, they can be the best team in the league. I think. But okay, to be more fair. My goodness, that roster is good. Yeah, to make it more fair to not count the Clippers because that's kind of a cop out. I'm gonna say the Sacramento Kings will be contending for a playoff spot next year. The Kings, yes. of all people. I do like Keegan Murray, the guy they drafted this past draft. I like De'Aaron Fox. I love Davion Mitchell. I love Devontae Sabonis. I think they've got a team that they can do some, make some noise. They got Malik Monk. Malik they, Monk is a great ad. The only problem is, who do they have as center behind Sabonis? Like, eh. It's Alex, Alex Len. Okay, really? He got dunked on by Ryan Anderson. Exactly, I mean. so... Rashawn Holmes is another one, like eh. Yeah. So it'll be I, interesting, but I, I could see them making a jump. I think the Kings are a team that can easily not easily, that could contend for a playoff spot. And Mike Brown, he's been around, so you know. I forgot know. Mike Brown's a coach. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I scratched that as off the record. <laughs> the, some of their assistant coaches, man. Doug Christie, Stacey Ogman, man. Leandro Barbosa, Luke Laux. Luke Laux is one of their assistant coaches. FSU legend. Yeah. We'll end it on that note. The Kings are the last thing we talked about. Gotta love it. But thank you all for tuning in to our All-NBA episode. We hope you really enjoyed listening to us banter. And I hope you enjoyed the interviews too. To Alma, Farid, and JJ, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy schedules to meet with us. And for Mike... Thank you for coming over and recording this episode with me. No problem. Now I'm about to go eat some sushi. Oh, and I do want to say uh, one thing. Don't forget to purchase Nerdy Nuts. Remember the discount code DIMES10. Yeah, I really thought you were about to say, I'm about to go eat some peanut butter. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Well, if I get Nerdy Nuts in the mail pretty quickly, yeah, I'll eat some peanut butter. Perfect. Peanut butter, almond butter, peanut butter cups. Go get your favorite kind today. Go check them out. NerdyNuts.com. Promo code DIMES10. Thank you guys for listening for another episode of Dimes on Duval. He's Mike Yaji. I'm Keith Manzi. Signing off.